Amen. Well, I know it's been said already a number of times, but again, Happy Mother's Day. Um, I do recognize that Mother's Day can... It's awesome for many. It can be difficult for some. Um, You know, not everybody had the easiest family life growing up. Not everybody got to have mom present. Uh, And that could be for a number of different reasons uh, that that happened. Um, But that's not true for, for most, but it is... A reality for some, and uh, and I do want to acknowledge that. You know, now after uh, having seen my wife give birth and and seeing my first son's giant head, um, which he got from me, by the way, uh, I'm even more grateful for my mom because when he was born, I was like, yo, that kid has like exactly my head shape. If you look at him, he has a giant forehead too. Um, amen. Chris keeps saying it suits our face. So, amen. But it makes me even more grateful. You know, knowing what Kristen is going through, just carrying our second child to, makes me even more grateful. I mean, just experience increases gratitude, right? When you're on the other end, you get to understand it. Uh, You change the number of diapers and the poop and the pee. and, And then you realize, my parents did this for me. And sometimes it's really gross. And you're like, amen. Like, amen. You know, and Giovanni made the comment about, you know, having to endure for nine months, uh, you know, the inconveniences. And I thought, I think it's a little longer than nine months. I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, but at the same time, there's so many exceptional, like, joys that come with being a parent. Um, and it's so cliche, but there's so much of it that you don't get until you are one. Um, but it's just awesome. It really is. It's also really hard. You know, because there's, there's the, t- like, anybody ever run through, like, worst case scenarios in your head? You know, not just, like, over with friends or, or family or anything like that. You run through, like, the terrible things that can happen. Uh, I found that once I had a child that that, like, multiplies by, like, a factor of 500 or so. I mean, just, it, it can be, like, debilitating because you want to protect your kids, right? You just want them to be safe, and you, you end up, like, running through the horror scenarios. You're like, what could happen? Uh, and the reality is, is that a lot of it, the things we fear is never going to happen, but it doesn't mean that we don't be vigilant at the same time. But I think that comes, that, that desire comes from a place of love, right? And in 1 Corinthians 13, we've been going through, and last week Peter did trust, but right there next to trust, it said, love always trusts. And then following that up, it says, love always protects, right? And I think that's true. When you love something, you want to protect it and take care of it. You know, and not just the protection that's like, I just want to keep it safe. Sometimes protection in the sense of, I'm going to stand in front of whatever's coming, and I will endure for it. Right? I mean, that's the idea of protection. It's not just keep the bad from happening, but it's, I'm going to endure the bad for the one I love. Right? And so... It feels appropriate that we're talking about this on Mother's Day. I didn't initially plan that, but I thought, man, that's awesome. It works out really well because moms do an incredible job of that. There's a reason you don't mess with the mama bear, right? You don't mess with the mama bear's cubs. But 
Protection is a powerful idea. It, it calls to us, I think, as human beings. And in, in 1955, the Los Angeles Police Department adopted the protect and serve as their motto. And since then, to protect and serve has become the motto of police academies all over the United States. And it's, it's an honorable motto. It's one, I think, that connects to us to go, well, they're supposed to protect and serve. It's a powerful idea when you think about that. Of what it means to us, what the, the trust we put into those individuals. Right? You know, for me, I can often think of protection in the sense of my need to protect women and children as a man. But in the same sense, man, moms, moms do so much protecting. Like, incredible amounts of the way they think. I mean, women's minds, from what I understand, are thinking about ten different things at once most of the time. And guys, I think we are both privileged and disadvantaged in that we usually can do like one or two, you know? Um, and then we can space out, which is awesome. Uh, I, I mean, I hear that's a great thing because women never get that time, uh, apparently. But I think it's a, uh, it's a blessing. But moms are always thinking about it. Just like God is always thinking about us. You know, we're never off God's heart or off God's mind. And it's a cool idea to think about, that that's who we are to God. Why? Because He loves us. You know, today as we, we take this time, I want to really get us to look at God's heart. Right? Look at how God's, how He feels about protection. What is His, what's His method? What's His way? And, and there's a reason, the title of this, ser- this sermon is, Love Always Protects, Part 1. Because it's got to be two parts. And Ralph is going to pick up Part 2. Uh, because this is such a, a big idea. Really. I, I couldn't do it justice. I normally do two points. I'm going to do three points today. So, amen. But, so, amen if I'm trying to move fast as I can, but also be as thorough as I can. Let's turn over to Psalm 18, if you would. Alright? This is one of my favorite scriptures of, of all time, I think. But we're going to look through Psalm 18, 1 through 19. Alright? So a good chunk here. And the title of this first point is God's protection is fortified and fierce. Alright? See if you can see it. Starting in verse 1. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The turrets of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me, and the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. 
from his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils, consuming fire from his mouth. Burning coal blazed out of it. He parted the heavens, came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, and the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced. With hailstones and bolts of lightning, the Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemies, great bolts of lightning, and routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed, and the foundations of the earth laid bare at the blast of breath from his nostrils. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place, and He rescued me because He delighted in me. The author of this psalm is is David, and the time of when he's writing this is... An incredibly challenging time in his life. He's been serving in the courts of King Saul. Saul has now started to try to, to murder him. I mean, he's, he's tried him multiple times to try to kill David. David has now fled. He's, he's living in another country at different points. I mean, this story of what he's talking about is just how overwhelming the odds are against him when, when Saul is just coming after him. How is he going to fight with a king and an army? And yet here is David. He's writing... And he's going, you know what, but what God is, is God is my rock and my fortress. You know, when you think about it, can you hit the next slide for me, bro? When you think of a, of a fortress, I don't know what you think of, but like, what do you imagine? I imagine something like this. You know, where you're, you're in this fortified wall and you can stand on the top and a great army could come against you and yet you're like, oh, they look pretty small down there. Right? You ever stood at a tall building and looked at all of the people that walked by and just how small they look? Because from that vantage point, they are so small. But that's, that's like you're, you're in, in a place where you're protected from that. And now you're... Wait, David is talking about, he's saying, God is my fortress, God is my rock, He is my stronghold in whom I take refuge. You know where a king feels his safest? In his castle. Right? Surrounded by his own men. And, but God, David's really writing, he goes, you know where I feel safest is with God. God is my fortress. He's my shield, He's my deliverer, He's my stronghold. He is the fortified place where I feel safe. And what I get, though, from this writing is that he's addressing and expressing this first, even amongst trials. Trying to find that security and safety with God. See, I don't think it's just the physical safety. I think he's talking about feeling emotionally safe with God. Right? He feels 
if I'm with God, nothing can come at me. And I can feel this too at times. If I'm not focused on God as my fortress, I do. I feel insecure. I feel vulnerable. I feel uh, more tossed back and forth by the worries of life, by the worries of the church, by the worries of my finances, all of the different things that come at me when I'm not thinking that God is my fortress, a fortified place for me, that I could lose everything, but I'll never lose God. Right? Is, is that where my value is? And I've got to make this assessment for myself. But with, when I'm with Him, I feel safe. Because that's just who God is. He's a fortress for those who would take refuge in Him. How about you? What is God to you these days? You know, when I think of what God is like and how He protects, how God fights for His people, right? You know, we looked at the verse 1 through 3, it talks about how He is the walls. But in the passages of 4, verse 4 through 15, David illustrates God's Love and protection in a way that, that, if you think about it, is pretty intense. Um, I often relate it to a volcano when I read the first part of it. If you uh, read the news right now, like the volcano in Hawaii is going off and there's like magma vents getting thrown up and you can watch the videos of it. And I mean, they're like worried about 10 ton like chunks of rock being like shot like thousands of feet into the air. They're saying how small pieces are going to go to miles into the air. I mean, if this thing erupts. I mean, and so when I envision like what it's talking about, how flames are like erupting from the ground, that's kind of what I'm envisioning when I think of like God's response to show up when David's going, I need help, God. Because David sees God as something as fierce and powerful when he's showing up to provide his protection. Because that's what God's is. But then he goes on and he talks about, it's not just like that. He says, he comes on a storm. And if any of us ever gone down and looked at the lake or watched a big storm roll in, and watched, you ever seen the clouds roll? Though, no? It's a creepy thing to see. If you've ever seen the, the beginning of a... Um, Oh, my brain is blinking. The beginning of a, a tornado that's forming, where the clouds go green and they start to turn, that's terrifying. And it's incredible at the same moment. But that's just a picture of what we could depict as God's power when He shows up for His people. The hail, giant hail, bolts of lightning coming down. But the one that gets me, funny enough, is when he says that the, the valleys of the sea would be exposed. How are they exposed? From the breath of his nostrils. And, and, and <laughs> this is a good one I can come back to my mom. Occasionally, if my mom was really upset, it would be the moment of like... You know what I'm saying? When you clear your nose, you're like... <laughs> kind of like... But I think of it in the sense of like getting, if you're getting pumped up about something and you're like, you, you, you're, you're venting. And just by, that's not a very aggressive move in a sense, like 
You're not going to push anybody back by the breath from your nostrils. Except God will expose the valleys of the sea when He does it. That's the level of fierceness that God shows up for the people that He loves. That's the God that's on your side. Isn't that awesome? I think that's incredible. You know, I think about... But what's interesting is people underestimate God these days. They underestimate God's fierceness. What they can often think of is a lamb on the shoulders, Jesus. A a loving Father that that just is okay with anything. And that's a real bummer. And I still love you. And, you know, and that's true. God does love us, right? But people underestimate God's fierceness. You know, I think of... When I think of that, I think of my mom... um, some of you have met my mom. Uh, my mom is this lady who, she's a southern lady. She likes to vacuum in high heels. She likes lipstick and makeup. And, and this is just the sort of lady that she is. Um, you would greatly underestimate her fierceness if you met her. Right? Uh, what, what you wouldn't know is that my mom grew up actually incredibly poor. My grandfather had a third grade education. My grandmother had a seventh grade education. She grew up very, very poor. She grew up in a very hard situation. And she's had a lot of hard things happen to her. So, she's very different than what you might expect from how she grew up. But I remember one time, this is why I would say you would underestimate my mom. I remember one time growing up, we were having like a family reunion. It might have been Easter or something like that. We had our whole family over. And so there's my mom. You know, she looks nice. Uh, and she was younger at that point. But somebody, somebody's dog from the neighborhood had come over, and we just had our, we had a cat that had had kittens, and somebody's dog from the neighborhood was there, friendly enough dog, you know, people were petting the dog, and then all of a sudden the dog sees one of the kittens, and then you can see it like hackles go up, and I guess my mom sees it, and a couple of us see it all at the same time, and this dog runs at this kitten, right, and my mom is like there, and she she starts yelling at the dog that needs to get back, and the dog runs at this kitten grabs the kitten, gets it in its mouth, and my mom just like, literally punches this dog in the face. As hard as she could. Because her immediate response was, no way are you going to attack my cat. And it's it's an outside cat, it's not like we had these special relationships with this cat, but she's like, it's not going to happen. And she just punches this dog, like, it's not a small dog, I mean, this dog... If I remember right, it was probably about this tall, you know, like, like head maybe a little higher. I mean, big dog. The dog just drops the cat and just looks at her and like just runs away. And, and they pick up the cat and the cat's like in shock. And then she's like making sure the cat's taken care of and, and like making sure that it's, you know, it was a little scuffed up, but it wasn't, you know, greatly hurt. Uh, the dog did get through a little bit. And so she ended up taking care of this cat, right? But you look at what that's like. And to me, that's a great depiction for God. Because you go, no, no, no. Get back. You don't get back. I'm going to punch you in the face, right? But then, God's going to show up and He's going to nurture our wounds. Now, does that mean that God won't let us be hurt? No. But God will take care of us. And nurture us and provide for us. Right? And there's a lot more that could be said on that idea. But I think what's important for us to understand is that God is fierce in His desire to help take care of us. 
But, so what we expect is sometimes different than what we will get. Alright? Which that's what leads me into my second point, which is God's protection is long term. See, God takes a long view of our safety. He doesn't just take the, in this moment, right now. He thinks long view. What's, what's best for you long term? When we look at this passage, and you see that David, right, he's writing about how he's overwhelmed. David's recounting an incredibly difficult time in his life when he writes this psalm. As I said, he's being pursued by Saul. Saul desires to kill him. David feels the noose tightening around his neck. But he credits God with his salvation. You know, in Psalm 18, God eventually comes down to save David, scattering the enemies that were too powerful for him. But it was eventually that it happened. And God continued to work in David's life and try to work with him, but he was worked with all of us. He takes a, what's the long view of what's best for us? Did David need to endure that? I think he did. I think it was good for David to experience some of those things, to experience that his need to trust in God, that God would deliver him. And when I think about how God takes a view of the things that are opposing what he loves, I've got to take it back to creation. Because starting at creation, really all of creation was beset by a powerful enemy. This foe seduces, overwhelms, enslaves, and destroys, often in that order. The enemy is Satan and sin. And not only will sin destroy our lives and relationships in this physical life, but the goal of Satan is to take away a chance for a spiritual life as well. And the thing that God is most concerned with is our spiritual life. You know, he had a plan from the beginning to take care of all of it. He had, of anyone who would come to him, would find rescue and salvation under his wing, within his walls. But you had to go through the gate. Right? And really it comes down to the gospel message. That from the beginning there was a problem and from the beginning God was fighting for the solution. And that's really the gospel message. Here we have a Savior. Someone who would pull us out of the muck and the mire, cut off our cords of destruction, but rather than just cutting them off, What we get is Jesus who says, I won't just cut them off, but I'm going to take your place. I'm going to take your muck. I'm going to take your mire. I'm going to take your cords, the things that are strangling you, holding you back, and I'm going to take them on me. Because that's how I'm going to protect you. That's how I'm going to save you. That's how I'm going to bring you back. That's how I'm going to love you, right? You know, I think Jesus is saying, I'll endure this because I love you. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made Him who had no sin to be a sin offering for us so that those in Him might become the righteousness of God. His goal is to save our spiritual life. And when I'm focused on this truth, 
it makes the spiritual trials of this life a lot more bearable. Because God will never allow you to be tempted by more than you can bear. Now that's in the issue of sin. And I just want to be clear that that doesn't mean hard things won't happen to you that are feel more physically overwhelming than you can bear. God's saying, no, no, no. My, my ultimate goal is the long term of your spiritual well-being, of you getting to heaven. He will not let you be overwhelmed by sin in a way that you can't find your way out. And maybe you've felt trapped by sin before. But by that point, it's time to start looking for the door. Because it's there. God's providing it. Maybe it's, maybe it's not a door. Maybe it's an escape hatch that's an obscure place that you wouldn't necessarily think to go to. But it's there. You've got to look for it. Right? You know, so when the temptation of sin seems overwhelming, look, I love the idea that God says, I've got your back. Don't worry. I'll protect you. My last point, I think, is this. What? Is this. That God's protection is gentle. Right? We've talked about this idea of being fierce. That God is fortified, that He's fierce, that it's, it's going to be long term. But God's protection is also very gentle. Something about verse 16, if you look there. It's not stated directly, but when I read it, I see an element of like gentleness. When it says that He drew me out of deep waters. Verse 19, it says, He brought me into spacious places. You know, maybe it could have just been translated differently, but it could have just said, He pulled me out. He put me in a good place. You know, but it's, it's, He drew me out. And then he, he brought me to a spacious place. And to me, there's just an element there where I find that it seems as though He's being comforted by where God had brought Him. Right? And maybe that Scripture doesn't do it for you. Let's look at another Scripture where Jesus Himself speaks about His desire to protect His people. Turn over to Luke 13 really quickly. Y'all with me? Amen. In Luke 13, we're going to look at just verse 34. Jesus speaks, he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you are not willing. You want to hear the next slide for me? You know, Jesus is speaking to all of Jerusalem, telling them how badly he desires to draw them close. Right? And first off, when I just see this picture, I, I, all I, one of the first thoughts I have is, Mom, you're smothering me! You know, like, get off of me. You know, and, and recently James started to do this thing where I'll give him a kiss, 
You know, if I like give him a kiss on his cheek and he goes, <laughs> and then I kiss him on his forehead and he's like, <laughs> you know, he's just, and he doesn't do it all the time. And my feelings don't get hurt. I just think it's a little funny. <laughs> but I love being close to my son. I love holding him. I love kissing him. You know, I might give him more kisses. I don't know. I don't pay that close of attention. But I might give more kisses to him than Kristen does. That would make sense. My love language is physical affection. So that's just how it is. But I love having him close. Here, we see Jesus. And he says, you know what I want? I want to draw you under my wings. I want to bring you close to my chest. And if you can't think of something, if you can think of something that's more gentle than like that, let me know. Because to me that seems very like fluffy and soft and very much the idea of gentleness. A gentle protection. Right? Hard stone in a fortress, that's cold. You might feel powerful, you might feel safe there, but you're probably not going to feel super warm standing on top of a wall. This, I imagine, is pretty warm. Just saying. Right? But what's incredible to me is that he, that Jesus still wants to do this when? When they have been stoning his prophets. They have been killing the people that he just told, like the people that God had said, hey, go and tell these people about me that I'm coming. They had just recently stoned his cousin, John the Baptist. The greatest prophet of all time. They killed them too. And Jesus is still saying, oh, I just want to draw you close and take care of you. You're rebellious. You are unloving. You are unkind. But you know what? I just want you to be close to me. I want to take care of you. But you are unwilling. Right? We've all, you know, maybe some of us are there. But I think we've all been there as the rebellious one. Right? We've been the people who are totally in rebellion to God, want nothing to do with Him. Get away from me. No, I have no desire to be near you. But God will always be there going, I just want to bring you under my wing. I want to hold you close. I want you to know you're loved. You know, if you've ever wondered if God is so mad at you because you are unworthy to come to Him, you need to do all you can to abolish that idea. This, this scripture right here should tell you that it doesn't matter what you do. These people were murdering God's people. Jesus is saying, you murdered my, my friend. And you know what? I just I want to take care of you. So if you ever wonder if you're not worthy enough, you don't feel like I can come to God and pray because I've sinned and I just can't come close. I've heard people tell me that. I can't pray because I feel so guilty like God doesn't want to hear my prayers. That is a lie from Satan if I've ever heard one. Maybe some of us don't struggle with that. But I'd encourage you to fight against that lie. Because God... God, His protection is gentle, and He loves us. You know, none of us have literally murdered anybody. Not to my knowledge, anyways. Uh, But, there's no 
depiction that I can think of that's more gentle and more forgiving than probably in this scripture here where he says, you guys who are the murderers, I want to do this to you. I want to bring you close. I want to shelter you from the storm under my wing. All the trials going on right now, just come here. Come here. I'll take care of you. Just come here. My son gets hurt and he's crying. I just want to hold him. I'm like, you're okay. I got you. You're good. Right? And that's what God wants to do to you. Think about it. Don't be confused by his gentleness. Don't be deceived that he's not fierce. Right? He will come at you or at your enemies or at the thing that's coming at you, right? God is fierce in his protection. But he's also gentle. And he's got your benefit in mind for the long term, too. So when it's a challenge, so why are you letting this happen now? You don't know what's coming later. Trust that his love has not wavered. His protection is is still present. But there is a a process sometimes to it. Amen? Amen? I think it's something we've got to think about and connect with. The thing we need to know is that Jesus today is that He loves us deeply. His love is fiercely protective. He will fight for us. He has died for us. And He lives for us today, interceding to the Father on our behalf. He is powerful and He's gentle. And He will provide us with what we need spiritually so that we won't be overwhelmed in this life but can finish our race and be with Him. Whether it's the walls or the wings, I pray that this will help you. I pray that you can find peace with God this week from the worries and the woes of this life and know that God has got your back. Amen.